1: Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. With me, it's Kyle Madsen. As always, uh, this podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, where you guys should be doing all of your online wagering. Kyle, man, how's uh, how's quarantine life going for you? It's not because I'm an essential
2: employee that still, <laughs> I, I don't want to say has to go to work. I get to go to work. Right. Because I like my job and there are a lot of people out there who aren't getting to go to work right now and it's impacting their lives. Um, so while the routine is a little bit different because our hosts are at home and they're really minimizing the number of people in the building, uh, I'm I'm very fortunate to have a job that is still allowing me to work uh, and allowing me to make money while the entire state is on a shelter-in-place order. So the good news is my commute, super short.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we mentioned that last week. I've been uh, I've I'm, I'm over a week now on the self-quarantine thing. Um, let's see, I started Wednesday, Wednesday the 11th, and so we're recording this Friday the 20th. So it's been that long for me. Uh, I've gone to the store once, lots of dog walks, um, lots of uh, living room workouts, trying to <laughs> trying to stretch that out as much as I can but uh yeah man it's getting tough and it's looking like it's uh this stuff is not going to slow down anytime soon we could be we could be in this shelter in place mode for a long time so um we're thinking about everybody out there hope everybody's is is being safe and staying healthy and washing your hands I've actually washed my hands to the point where or I guess I should say dried my hands to the point because I dry them after washing them that the back of my knuckles are getting like irritated and starting to scab up um so that's a little that's a little unique, but uh it's worth it because as far as I know, knock on wood, I I have not uh contracted coronavirus. But um yeah, that's where we're at. Not a whole lot going on in, in the world right now, uh in our worlds, aside from sort of monitoring what's happening in the NFL and uh and so that's what we're gonna talk about. The Niners have made a bunch of moves. We talked a lot about the DeForest Buckner trade to the Colts or the number thirteen pick in the draft. We're going to talk about um, uh, some draft prospects the team might consider. This is going to be a mailbag episode of the pod, so we're going to answer some questions, and and there are some questions in there about some of those prospects. But uh, the 49ers have made a bunch of other moves since that trade. Um, So let me go through it really quick, just list these off. Eric Armstead's coming back. Jimmy Ward came back on a three-year contract. Wide receiver Kendrick Bourne and Matt Breida Restricted free agents were both given second-round tenders, so more than likely they are going to be back. Ronald Blair is going to be back on a one-year deal. So is Ben Garland and Sean Coleman for depth along the offensive line. And the 49ers reworked Jarek McKinnon's contract. Um, basically, he's he's now playing on a on a minimum contract. His cap number, I think, went from something like eight million to three. So the 49ers are holding out hope that he can be back and stick around and be productive in 2020. Uh, they signed Tom Compton the moments after releasing Mike Person. So uh, the 49ers are gonna have a different starting lineup along the offensive line. We'll talk about some of those <clears throat> some of those uh, the implications of Person leaving, Compton coming in and, and what that means for the draft and maybe even for agency still, and Daniel Brunskill, obviously. Uh, Sheldon Day, Dante Johnson, Jordan Matthews, Earl Mitchell, who's going to retire, to Moore, Jason Verrett, and Anthony Zettel uh, are the 49ers' unsigned free agents. So they've lost three guys, um, Buckner, Levine, Toy Lolo, and Person. And uh, they've brought back, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven more. Um, So it's been the the theme of the offseason has been trying to keep the, the Super Bowl roster together while also trying to build for the future. And I think that's sort of what the decision to keep Armstead and and trade up Buckner sort of uh, is emblematic of. So uh, do you have, do you have any thoughts after we we've we're getting through the first week of free agency as Friday's winding down here?
2: Yeah, I think we all kind of thought going into this free agency period that the Niners weren't going to make any huge kind of splash moves And really their top priority was going to be retaining their own free agents. And they've really done that to this point. Like you said, they traded away DeForest Buckner, but I got, they got back what I thought was a really good return. If you're going to send away a Pro Bowl defensive tackle, they got the number 13 pick, which we'll discuss a little bit later. All the opportunities that opens up for them. Uh, Levine Toilolo uh, was a fine third tight end, but I think he's replaceable um, Mike person is the only other starter that's left so far. Um, and he was a player that I think going into free agency, a lot of people circled as, as a possible cut. So when you consider all the more minor moves the Niners have made outside of the Armstead and Jimmy Ward contracts, you know, they tender Kendrick Bourne and Matt Breida and ensure they get, uh, two playmakers back there, unless a team decides they want to sign them and give the Niners a second round pick. But Ronald Blair, Ben Garland, Sean Coleman. I think just really solid depth players who when you look at the Niners roster last year and when they were at their best was when they did have a deep rotation uh, on the defensive line. They had injury issues on the offensive line that wound up not mattering much because their offensive line depth was so good. And I think that's the thing that they're going to really be able to replicate. I don't know if they'll go 13 and three again, but... If they continue to have this kind of depth, uh, especially down in the trenches, which they're they're building toward, I think they'll they'll be in a pretty good spot, even with Buckner gone.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Um, so with that, why don't we start diving into these Twitter questions, and we'll start with Layton's. Uh, he says, everybody is thinking the 49ers will be taking a receiver with the number 13th pick, but I have a sneaky feeling they may go with offensive tackle or even cornerback because the receiver class is deep. Any thoughts? Um, So here's how I think it's going to play out. I think the 49ers are going to evaluate the players um, that fit on their team, fit within their scheme, their system, that guys that they like. They will group those players together as guys that they will draft. And a lot of times, that's not every single player they give a first-round grade to. Like There might be linebackers who they give a first-round grade to, but they wouldn't draft a linebacker because they're already set there um with all the guys they already have right so to me looking at the way this draft is shaping up with with that 13th pick um i sort of made a top 10 list it's not a big board because it's just 10 guys but 10 guys that look like first round prospects that i think the 49ers are are going to be particularly interested in i think the number 1 guy for them in my opinion is Jerry Judy the receiver from Alabama Mm -hmm. Um, I think he fills a need. I think he's going to be really good right away. I think he's an incredible route runner. uh, And I think he's got all the physical tools and specifically with route running, like that is the most important thing or one of the most important things for Kyle Shanahan uh, with the way he evaluates receivers. And um, you watch some of the things that Judy did at Alabama, which I've been able to do now since, uh, since I have a lot of free time these days. Um, he does a lot of – like, he did a, a lot of the double move stuff that we saw on those deep routes that Emmanuel Sanders ran. Uh, so – and he just – like, he he gets a ton of separation. He just looks like sort of uh, exactly what Kyle Shanahan looks for in a receiver. So I, I have him first uh, because you're talking about need and fit. I think Judy's sort of perfect for what the 49ers like. I don't know that he's going to be there at 13, but he might um, – the second guy I think you need to look at is Iowa tackle or offensive lineman Tristan Wirfs. Um, we know how much the 49ers love Iowa prospects. They run basically the same style of running game that uh, the 49ers run, which is a, a, makes the the adjustment from college to the pro significantly easier. And you can talk to George Kittle about that. and. And basically, one of the reasons why he was able to adjust so quickly is because he, he was a really good blocker, but he was already a really good blocker within that scheme. So for him, it was just about becoming a better pass catcher and route runner, uh, which he did. But in terms of Wirfs, this is a guy who is a complete physical freak. Like, he ran a 4.85 in the, in the 40. Um, he was in... Uh, I need to look it up real quick. He was in, I want to say, the 98th or 99th percentile in vertical jump. Oh, no. So <laughs> he was 99th percentile in broad jump, 99th in vertical jump, and 98th in 40-yard dash, uh, Six-five-three-twenty. 320. Um, Good Lord. He's a complete freak, and to me, I I watched him play a little bit. He reminds me a lot of Lane Johnson, the right tackle for the Eagles, and I think Worfs to me, is somebody that you could plug in the starting lineup and he would play right guard at a high level right away. Um, And eventually, he could be your starting right tackle when Joe Staley retires and you move Mike McGlinchey to the left side, and I think you have a really, really good set of tackles. And to me, you talk about you know, losing DeForest Buckner, I think Worfs is sort of the offensive line version of DeForest Buckner, mm-hmm. like the big physical freak, somebody who you could probably say, all right, this guy's going to start for us, whether it's at guard or tackle and be really good for eight years. And so you talk about the need, eventually you have to you have to replace Joe Staley down the line. Um, so I think that would make a lot of sense. And we talk about Mike Person getting released. I think if Worfs is the guy, you would start him at right guard right away and be ecstatic about it and uh and have a really have potentially like if Weston Richburg gets healthy Lake and Tomlinson's played well Joe Staley played well when he was healthy McGlinchey's getting a lot better if you throw Worfson in at right guard then you're talking about the offensive line maybe being the best in uh in the division which yeah. which I think is important and um and so those are those are my top two guys you have you have other guys that you want to talk about Kyle
2: yeah I think the Niners are already the best offensive line in the division uh, when I'm when I'm thinking about it, but okay. it would definitely yeah, I fair. think I think it would elevate them into that conversation of they'd be the trendy like football nerd like hey what the Niners have done on the offensive line talking point uh, going mm. into the year and I think when you talk about the offensive line Tristan Wirfs, uh, Jedrick Willis is another guy I think will be gone by thirteen uh, out of Alabama Jedrick uh, Wills uh, Wills what did I say Wirfs? Wills uh, uh, Jedrick Wills Uh, Is another guy. You're just saying about
1: Catrick Willis.
2: Yeah, that's definitely. uh, I got Catrick Willis sitting next to me. So Uh, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Really just pick any of the like four or five best offensive line prospects that might fall to 13. And I think that, that that's a possibility for the Niners for all the things you said. And I think eventually they've gotten away with. You know, kind of finding bargains in free agency, or not necessarily bargains, but you know, just kind of guys off the off the scrap heap, filling guys in. Mike Person was a journeyman uh, interior lineman. Same thing with Ben Garland. They used a sixth round pick on Justin School. They got Daniel Brunskill from the Alliance of American Football. Like they haven't really invested in that offensive line since drafting Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. So. With that 13th pick, if one of those top linemen does fall to them, it's really easy to see them uh, jumping at the opportunity to take a player like Werfs or Wills or or whoever it might be.
1: Yeah, and I just a couple a couple more things on this, and we're we're gonna talk about this a lot. But um, Javon Kinloff from South Carolina, yes, the please. defensive tackle is um, he's not he's not coming in as as physically imposing or maybe as good as DeForest Buckner did when Buckner came in in 2016 as the number seven pick. But I think Kinlaw is basically like 90% of DeForest Buckner, like as a prospect, as Buckner was coming into the league. And so I think Kinlaw is somebody who could potentially evolve into one of the league's better interior pass rushers, which obviously was um, one of Buckner's biggest strengths. So I think he's somebody you, you definitely have to consider. And then at cornerback, you know unless jeff okuda falls which i don't think is going to happen just looking mm-hmm. at you know christian fulton from lsu or cj henderson from florida um jeff gladney from tcu i, I actually think the 49ers would be better off waiting on corner because all those yeah. guys mostly played man to man um i think the guy that is probably the best fit in the cornerback group that is uh that could go early on and maybe this is you know, pick thirty-one, or if they trade back into the second round, is Trevon Diggs from Alabama um, mm-hmm. because he does play a lot of zone, and and he's six-two and and has the size and all of that. So um, that's what I'm thinking at cornerback. So yeah, if it's defensive tackle, I would have to think Kinlaw would be there. Um, I don't think a cornerback unless Okuda falls is is going to be in the picture. I, I think it's going to be a receiver, offensive line, or Kinlaw, and that is my that is my take as we're what five weeks away from the draft so it could change but that's where i'm at right now and
2: i think that's i think that's really the overarching point is you can circle all the players you want but if the there's not a specific number one need for me with the niners at at that spot it's just if kinlaw's the best player take him if Jerry Judy slips past the Raiders, oh, take him. Um, if Tristan Wirth slides down a little bit and is there at 13, they take him. Like it, There's there's so many ways they can go with that pick where they're going to get a really high-quality player that fills a need. And that's a good spot to be in because they don't need to cross their fingers and hope that one player falls. Like There's a lot of options for them, and there's a lot of options that are going to make them a better football team moving forward, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and and I think when you talk about the number 13 pick, I think that's just a really good spot because that's right where uh top talent might fall because if you know a bad workout or a bad interview or whatever it may be, or uh, maybe all those guys are gone and they they trade back from that spot a couple of uh a couple of places and and go a different direction, so uh.
1: There could be a team I, that, that wants to move up for a quarterback like Justin Herbert or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And or if, um, or Love. And if they think a
2: player like Henry Ruggs is going to be on the board or I mentioned Andrew Thomas earlier from Georgia as an offensive tackle, if they think that guy's going to be there a couple of picks later, I could absolutely see him moving back. So it's going to be super fascinating to see what the Niners do with that 13th pick. And if you're asking for like a prediction, I have no idea because it depends entirely on what happens ahead of them
1: my take yeah that's absolutely true my take is Worfs is gonna be their favorite prospect okay um, that's my take I also have a CD lamb take but I think I'm still marinating on it and I uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it let it simmer a little bit and then uh, I'll, I'll bring it I'll bring it out at the appropriate time but it's I think it's spicy I think it's kind of a spicy contrarian CD lamb take so let's go to the next question this one's from Zach Uh, He says, Tom Compton has to be nothing more than a camp body, right? Can't envision someone other than Brunskill uh, or bringing in a rookie to man that right guard spot. So, yeah, I don't think the 49ers signed Tom Compton to be the starter at right guard. Um, I don't think he's a camp body either. I think he's somebody who could compete for a starting job. The rosters are going to expand this year, and there's going to be a minimum of eight active offensive linemen on game days. So Compton is somebody who could be in that mix uh, as a backup along the interior so you presumably if uh if you have your three star or if you have I guess they don't have three starters along the interior right now but if you have Weston Richburg at center Lake and Tomlinson at left guard say it's Brunscale at right guard um, then you have Ben Garland and uh potentially Compton and then Justin School and Sean Coleman as your backups maybe at tackle if if you do the numbers that way but um, Compton, I think his his contract was something like for a million and a half. Yeah. He's only started one season in the league, and um, he started five games last year because he he replaced uh, Brian Winters with the Jets who got hurt, and then Compton wound up going on IR just before week seventeen, I believe. Um, so we we'll, we haven't talked to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan about that, but I would imagine Compton's coming in to to be a backup guard. I don't I don't think a camp body is someone you just bring in who you know is not going to make the team. Right. Compton's going to have a good chance to make the team. Probably not going to start, though. I would be very surprised. He's He would probably be the Niners' third or fourth choice to start. I yeah. I would think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think Dan, it, With the players they have now, I think it's probably Brunskill 1, Garland 2, Compton 3. Right. But and then that, you might bring then, somebody else in. Right. Uh, maybe another free agent. Maybe a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's definitely going to be a battle for that right guard spot. And I, while Compton is not the guy I would pick to start. Uh, I would also not necessarily pick him to make the team. Like it's just he's a he's he's there to compete for a job and I, I think he will.
1: Yeah. Um so Jimmy asks next question, would the 49ers be interested in Garoppolo? Cook- no, I don't think it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, some some other Jimmy from Twitter. Friend of the Pod. Friend of the Pod, would the 49ers be interested in Brandon Cooks if he were released? Um, so here's the issue with that. Brandon Cooks is not going to get released. Here's why. if you if the Rams were to cut Brandon Cooks and uh, I mean, this is just completely insane, but he has a he would have a dead cap hit of 29.8 million for the Rams. And they wouldn't need, it wouldn't create any cap savings either. So basically there's no reason for the Rams to cut him, even if he's not any good um because you just you just can't cut a player who's still going to cost you 13 million dollars against the cap uh well actually I'm not even sure how this works but the dead cap would be 29.8 million so they they're not going to cut him the only possible way that Brandon Cooks is not on the Rams that at, at least the, the financially feasible way is if he's traded after June 1st if he's traded after June first, the way his contract is set up, it would be just a four point eight million dollar dead uh dead cap number, and then they would have twelve million dollars in cap savings, the Rams would. So that makes sense. Um so no, I don't think Brandon Cooks is going to be on the 49ers this year. I would be very, very shocked, particularly after the draft, because that June, I mean, it is a is it's a deep wide receiver class in that June designation is obviously uh, well after the draft so um yeah Cook signed a five-year 81 million dollar deal and the 49ers don't really have any room now that's the reason why they traded away to Forrest Buckner because they couldn't give away any more big contracts
2: yeah and, and history shows with Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers if they're gonna pay a receiver that type of money it's not gonna be on Brandon Cooks right and and I, I think that's really the bottom line. Not to mention, I can't remember if it was Tom Pelissero or Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. They said that the Rams never made any calls about getting rid of Cooks. They received some, but they never actively tried to, to get rid of him. He's gone for over 1,000 yards in like four of the last six years, I and mean, he's a productive player for them. He's just uh, very expensive, and they've put themselves in a bind by by paying him and Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and not having any first round picks. Yikes.
1: Atlanta Falcon Todd Gurley. Ah, yes. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. So currently with no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It's open 24 hours a day and all online so it's perfect for your quarantine including they have just they have a uh, $750,000 poker series which sounds like a really productive way to to spend your quarantine particularly if you're good enough to win. 750 K or if you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on survivor, big brother, American idol stock prices and even the weather. So visit their website, betonline.ag and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code blue wire bet online. Your online wagering experts. I've never bet on the weather. Have you?
2: I've not. But I'm not going to lie, I definitely
1: have thought about it. <laughs> uh, Justin asks, uh, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Denzel Mims, Odell Beckham Jr., or Emmanuel Sanders? Um, so if I were in charge, yes, it would be Jerry Judy. Okay, I think in terms of fit, bang for the buck, obviously he's going to be on his rookie contract. Um, I think he's the best receiver in the class, and I don't think it's particularly close. I know it's a really good class, but um, I'm extremely high on Judy. Uh, I'm not going to reveal my Lamb take. I think Ruggs is actually a better fit for the 49ers than than Lamb. Um, Just his speed and what Kyle Shanahan could do with that, I think, would completely terrorize defenses. Uh, Denzel Mims is interesting. I go back and forth on how much he fits because I think he's kind of... um, I made this referenced earlier but i think he's he's uh kendrick Bourne. if you gave kendrick Bourne like a, a mario mushroom um just a little bit bigger like the kind of similar skill sets but more physically gifted so i don't know how how much of a fit he would be initially um because i think judy could come in and play extra z pretty uh like right away um odell beckham jr I, I mean, like I said, the 49ers don't have room right now for another big contract. I know they can do some maneuvering, but just looking at their assets, I don't think it would be smart for them to part with whatever the Browns would want. And I don't think he's on the market, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I would probably go Judy, then Sanders. Actually, Judy, Ruggs, and then Sanders would be my top three out of those, what, six? Um, what do you think? What's, how would you How would you put those receivers in order?
2: I think that's probably right. Judy Ruggs and then Sanders. And the reason I don't say Odell Beckham is, is the financial things that you mentioned. If, if all things are equal, I think Odell Beckham's one. Um, and, and I'm not sure it's close, but his contract makes it really difficult to see him in a Niners uniform,
1: barring something drastic. And so I, think, I think the Browns would be insane to trade him at this point. Yeah, yeah. Why trade him right, when his right. when his value's low? Like right. we we, yeah, were, we were having a conversation a year year. about OBJ last year like should the 49ers give up the number 2 pick for him? And now yeah. it's like is he even worth a first round pick in a trade? Yeah, So right. if you're the Browns, why would you trade him when his value's at its lowest?
2: Yeah, and and the Niners wouldn't even have anything if they're not giving up a first round pick, they're giving up a 2021 20, second. Like that's 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 wild. I can't. I yeah. can't see the Browns moving on from him unless Kevin Stefanski just really doesn't like him. Um, I'm higher on CD Lamb than you are, just because some of the stuff he does after the catch. You're spoiling is, my take. Is no, you said you're still marinating on it. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, you could. Either hate C.D. Lamb or be working your way up to saying he's the best receiver in the class. So, pfft, on you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I really like C.D. Lamb, though, and some of the stuff he does after the catch is, is ridiculous. And I just, I can see a world where Kyle Shanahan is scheming him into open space and then he's making plays after the catch that not a lot of other guys can make. Uh, so I, s- despite that though, I think Judy rugs and then Sanders is, is probably correct. Uh, I watched some Denzel mims after the combine and was a little bit less impressed with him than I was watching him exercise. So I'm, I'm a little bit lower on him. So I'm going to go Judy rugs, Sanders, lamb, Beckham mims yeah
1: okay good list um yeah i the thing is with mims and i know he was really good in the senior Bowl, uh and i know he was really productive about baylor but i'm i always i'm i'm always a little hesitant when it comes to the guys that you don't hear about as first round prospects until they do stuff at the combine right like right you your your football should if if you're good at football your tape should speak for itself and let you be in that conversation if you really are like a bona fide you know first round talent not like oh this guy sprinted faster at the at the combine than we anticipated so now he's a first round player like a little hesitant I think Mims might get a, end up getting overdrafted but uh, well, and I will, feel like we will have to see about that are there so Jalen Hurd pending
2: I feel like every Baylor wide receiver I've ever been super excited about has not been very good KD Cannon? Yeah, that yeah, Forty Niners Legend. Um wasn't Kendall Hunter a not Kendall Hunter. Uh Kendall Wright, wasn't he a Baylor guy? Yep. And then Justin Hunter, was that his name? Yep. Also a Baylor guy. Like these were all players who during that time I was so hyped about and now I can't I literally can't remember what their names are.
1: <laughs> Can I give you a counterpoint that's not really a counterpoint? Please. Josh Gordon. Oh, strong. Really strong. It's like a counterpoint, but also not a counterpoint. Who's, who's he playing for this year? Uh he's not signed. Uh, no, he's he's exceptionally
2: talented, uh, for sure. So I, I will accept that as a counterpoint. But he's
1: not he hasn't stuck with anybody. Um Yeah, but not right. because not because of on field football stuff. No, so. Yeah, he's suspended indefinitely. Counterpoint for... accepted. All <laughs> right. Uh, Colin asks, do we see Dante Pettis or Solomon Thomas traded before draft weekend is over? Um, so there's a – Pettis is tradable. Like, they can um, – because he's a second-round pick, uh, his guarantees are are minimal, I guess, compared to Thomas – if the Niners traded Pettis uh, before the end of draft weekend, they would have $1.3 million, uh, in dead cap money and clear up like 400 k in, in cap money. So um, that's that's not a prohibitive number that would prevent you from dealing Pettis if you feel like you absolutely have to trade him. I would be a little bit surprised because, you know, trading Pettis now would be kind of like the 49ers – trading a kella witherspoon last year i think the parallels between pettis and witherspoon are are pretty on point in that like they both showed promise as rookies they had disappointing second seasons and then witherspoon who was a year ahead of pettis uh came out and looked like you know a pro bowler early on last year before getting hurt so we'll have to see if pettis is able to use 2019 constructively and come back and be a contributor um the thing is with that is with the coronavirus, all the off-season program stuff, the conditioning program is not going to happen, which would happen before the draft. So, t- football teams don't start playing actual football and doing OTAs and stuff until May, after the draft. In April, it's all conditioning, um, and typically the 49ers can get an idea of where players are at. So, if Pettis came in and you know gained. 15 pounds of muscle or whatever and looked like a completely different guy in in that program, then the 49ers would probably be more inclined. But they're just not going to have the chance to evaluate him like that because um, the offseason program isn't going to happen. So that's a little bit interesting. Uh, Solomon Thomas is untradeable, or at least his contract. It would be dumb to trade him because of the financials involved with his contract. If you, cut, uh, if you trade Solomon Thomas – I mean, it's not untradeable. You could trade him. Um, Basically his contract is, is all dead money. Um, If you, if you cut him uh, before June one, it's an 8.9 million in in dead cap money. And there's no, there's no savings. Same if you cut him after June one, if you trade him, his dead cap money splits in half to 4.6 million, which is, you know, it's palatable. Like that's, uh, you you don't typically want to get higher than that but on the other hand the 49ers ha- actually have zero dead cap money right now um which is you know n- it's not a huge deal but it sort of speaks to like <clears throat> how good Paragmarate is at his job and the fact that um you know the 49ers have made all these moves and given out all these contracts these last three years while they've rebuilt and now they have z- like no dead cap um, yeah which is crazy which probably gives them a little bit more leeway to overspend in some areas. I know yeah. people freak out at every single contract number when it comes out, but it's like if you're a team with zero dead cap money, then you could probably afford to to give guys on the margins maybe more competitive offers than they would get elsewhere. But um, no, I don't think they trade Solomon Thomas. They could trade him, but given that they just traded DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas can play three technique – I think you give him a shot there. I talked a lot about Solomon Thomas in, in the pot earlier this week. So go back and listen to that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, there, there's probably more of a chance Pettis gets dealt. I don't know what his value would be like. I'd have to think it would be something like a six-round pick. I don't think you're getting a whole lot for him based well, on the fact that he was out of the rotation last year.
2: Well, and that's why – that's exactly why I think they wouldn't trade Pettis because he was productive enough in year one that – I think there's there's still some intrigue there where you wonder if he can get back to where he was as a rookie, but expand that, take a step up, and expand that across 16 games rather than just that five-game sample toward the end of the year when he was finally healthy. And like you said, the Niners, like, they have five picks in the last three rounds. I can't imagine that they're going to take a sixth or seventh rounder for for a guy who might still be a productive receiver. And Kyle Shanahan said, you know, Dante Pettis is kind of at that crossroads that Akello Witherspoon was at. Where going into year three, it's like, are you going to step up and further your career in a positive direction or are you going to fade into obscurity? And I, I think they want to give him a shot to do the former there. And Solomon Thomas, like you said, they're they're going to wind up, I think, needing Solomon Thomas this year. So I, I regardless of the contract, I can't imagine they
1: trade him. All right, Adam asks, uh, speaking of Solomon Thomas, this may sound silly since folks seem to have completely forgot about Solly, but how realistic is it to think that he could shed the bus label by getting more time in his natural position inside now that Defoe is gone? I'd said it earlier this week, like, I'm not, I have not finalized my judgment on Solomon Thomas because I think he has not been in a position to, To be fully evaluated. So if you give him a lion's share of the snaps in Buckner's place, I think he is talented enough um, that you would give him a chance to develop into a productive player. I don't know if he's ever going to be a star player or a Pro Bowl player, but I think he could be a helpful player sort of as, you know, similar to what Ronald Blair has, has given the 49ers over the last few years, like a backup a part of the rotation who you feel confident in who like Blair in 2018 got the Niners five and a half sacks. And that's a really nice number for a backup player. So I think Thomas could be that guy. I think he could, you know, he could probably max out at what, six, seven, eight sacks. If you, if you give him the opportunity. Um, But we haven't seen that from him yet. So I think he's going to have a chance at increased playing time. Um, He should be plenty motivated coming into this year and I think uh he could shed that bus label but um I don't know he's going to be a star and I think it would be kind of found money at this point if he did end up being a really good player and I don't think it would be wise for the 49ers to rely on him to become a good player to to you know replacing the Forrest Buckner but um I want to see I mean obviously it's a massive year for Solomon Thomas I want to see what he uh what he looks like surround like in that starting lineup potentially if he's uh surrounded by armstead and and you know nick bosa and d ford how he looks because he's gonna get some favorable matchups in those spots and then i think we'll be able to find like make a full determination exactly how good Solomon thomas is
2: i'm not sure he'll ever be able to shed the quote-unquote bust label because as a defensive tackle going third overall you should be warren Zapp. So I think even if he gets to moderate production where he gets a second contract with the Niners and, like you said, gets six to seven sacks a year and is just a you know productive rotational player, I think that'd be fine. But I think fans are always going to go back to that draft and they're going to see Deshaun Watson sitting there. They're going to see Jamal Adams sitting there. They're going to see Patrick Mahomes. I just, I really think that Solomon Thomas is going to have a very hard time Shedding the bust label, and that's even if he gets to what I think his ceiling is uh, which you just said is you know, getting a lion's share of snaps at the three tech and pulling down six or seven sacks
1: a year. All right, and command asks after two years of developing at the wide nine and getting paid as a defensive end, do you think thoughts on why you think Eric Armstead will move inside to three tech to replace Buckner? Um. I think why do you think that <laughs> um so I, I mean they they do they do three tech they do four eye uh they line up even wider than that i like the three tech is, is definitely a position but i think everybody's going to kind of move around um you know we saw at times d ford lined up inside saw uh, uh nick bosa lined up inside at, at times armstead can can He's, I mean, he's a better pass rusher inside than at defensive end, where he's a better run player. Um, but I think, you know, obviously, Armstead can play three technique, and I, I would imagine he's going to be very good at it. And that's probably why the 49ers were fine to, to give him that contract and, and trade Buckner away. So, um, I don't know that that Armstead is only going to play three tech, or at least as predominantly as Buckner did. I'm, you know, we'll see what they do in the draft. I think if it's uh, Javon Kinlaw, then I think he's the three tech, and then you let Armstead do what he did last year. Um, but I, I, I just think, you know, you those those spots are pretty much interchangeable, and Armstead's talented enough to move around a lot that uh, you feel good about just having him along the defensive line, and then maybe exploit matchups on a weekly basis where you think he could thrive.
2: Yeah, I, I I also I want to push back on him getting paid as a defensive end. Uh, DeForest Buckner was a defensive tackle and made more money than Eric Armstead. Uh, right. So I don't think his paycheck is going to determine where he plays really at all. So um, I think the versatility is part of why they paid Armstead. And so he'll see time at, at a lot of different spots.
1: All right. Uh longtime listener Bart Scott asks. Love Bart. Um, he says this actually isn't an this this is actually a statement first from Bart. Um he says Odo Beckham Jr. is going to get traded with Wow, three, three exclamation, exclamation points. points. Yeah. You heard it here first. Do you think the 49ers would be interested? Three question marks. And then he ended it with can't wait. That's
2: his signature.
1: Um so thanks thanks to Bart Scott for uh he he reported uh Recently, I think it was this week that um, Beckham is going to get traded from the Browns. We hinted at it earlier. I just, I don't, I don't get the feeling. If you're Kevin Stefanski, who runs a sh- similar offense to Kyle Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan loves Odell Beckham Jr., which makes me think Stefanski would too as a player. So if you're a first-time head coach trying to develop your third-year quarterback, who took a significant step back in year two under the previous coaching staff. I would think you try to make life as pleasant as possible for Baker Mayfield and you keep Odo Beckham Jr. around. Um, So I don't think the Browns are going to trade him unless things just like get really bad in training camp or something, but I have a hard time believing it. Um, Would the 49ers be interested? I think they would weigh the option for sure. Uh, If it was the 31st pick in the draft straight up for Beckham, I think they would have to consider it because then you could just take the best player on your board at 13, regardless of position and not have to worry about receiver necessarily unless, you know, Jerry Judy falls, um, or is available, whatever. I just don't from a contract standpoint, like, would you rather just draft a receiver, have him on his rookie deal and then not have to pay Odell Beckham Jr. 16, 17, 18, whatever he's going to cost over the next three years. Um, and potentially risk not being able to give George Kittle everything he wants. I would. Uh, I just don't. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Niners will be interested and they'll think about it. But I, it's it's a lot of moving parts. It's a massive move, and uh, and I'm very curious to uh, to see how that all works out. I, I just don't think it's going to be Beckham.
2: Yeah, I think I think we see a report or two or three about how the 49ers are having conversations about Odell Beckham or the 49ers are interested in Odell Beckham or, um, you know, those kind of things. But I don't think it'll ever get to a point where it's, uh, where it's a really serious thing because of the financial constraints uh, facing facing San Francisco there. So I do think that that's going to continue to kind of be a storyline throughout the offseason, but I, I don't think anything will ever
1: come with it. Um, all right. Somebody named... All right, he's at Grand Diddy Chris, uh, which I wish I made my handle. Um, he asked a last-minute question on Twitter. Uh, Biggest impact on history, which m- Which one more likely to happen first or at all, Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay or Bill Belichick wins one without Brady? Um, Ooh. That's a good question. I have thoughts on this, but I'll let you go
2: first. So I am in the camp that Tom Brady was actually not good last year, and it's not all on the personnel around him. And I think that Tom Brady is going to get worse before he gets better. And I have a hard time seeing him at age 43 playing well enough to win a Super Bowl again. So I think Belichick winning one without Brady happens first, but it wouldn't surprise me if neither happened.
1: Yeah, the answer is probably neither, uh, because it is difficult to win a Super Bowl. But um, it's hard to it's it's basically impossible to say because we have no idea who's going to play quarterback for the Pats this year. Yeah, um, I had a thought. And I really, really like this thought, and I kind of wish it could happen, but I don't think it will because of the contract details. But uh, just given that the Detroit Lions have a – I think their GM is a former Patriots staffer too, but obviously Matt Patricia, former Patriots coach, um, they have the number three pick in the draft. So what if they traded Matthew Stafford to – New England and just use the number three pick onto a Tongo Vialoa and then um, and then went that way and the Patriots traded their 20 their number 23 pick in the first round for Stafford it would probably take more than that but a package including that and then I mean I would have to think the Patriots would be among the favorites in the AFC I know I know Stafford hasn't won at all I'm a
2: big Stafford guy
1: I'm a big Stafford guy too, and I love watching him play. And I think he, if he was with a different organization, um, if he had, you know, consistency from a coaching standpoint, uh, if there was ever a good defense playing opposite him, I think we might sort. He might have had like an Aaron Rodgers kind of career. Like I, I think there's similar talent levels. I think Rodgers has just been in a far more stable, uh, has had far more stability in. His organization, and he's played opposite better defenses. Um, so I would love to see Matt Stafford on the Pats, and I would ans- my answer would be Belichick is more likely to win a Super Bowl in that scenario without Brady. But it's probably not going to happen because the Lions would have thirty-two million dollars in dead cap money um, if they traded away Stafford. Now Oof. maybe they could redo the contract to make it palatable for Detroit. I don't know if that's possible or not, but um that is my that is my Patriots fever dream if I'm a Pats fan because I think that is easily a better option than than what's on the table. But otherwise, I think it's more likely Brady wins a Super Bowl than Belichick winning one because we just don't know who's at quarterback and there aren't a ton of like Super Bowl caliber options there, in my opinion. Depending on how you feel about like Cam Newton, which I don't think he's gonna be a Patriot. Andy Dalton would make sense, but I think that deal would have happened by now if it was going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm I'm with you though. I think it's more likely neither happen. That, but um, I think the other, Brady. I think Tampa could be good. We'll see. Yeah,
2: I think I think Tam, I think Tampa is going to be fine. I don't think Tom Brady's going to like stink. But like you said, it is super hard to win a Super Bowl, and if your 43 year old quarterback starts to decline. You need to be great on the other side of the ball, and I'm not sure Tampa Bay is ready to be great on defense yet.
1: Their defense was really good last year.
2: Their run defense was really good last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they could be that team. Like, if they do shore up the secondary, I know it was a young secondary they had last year, that, that could make that leap. And particularly if they don't ask Brady to, like, do a whole lot. And and the thing is, is, like, they do have weapons. Um, I think the underrated or something that people aren't really talking about when it comes to Brady and Tampa Bay, like Brady's not going to have an off season program. Like f- the the off season right. program is is basically has basically been called off at least through April. So, um, Brady the 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 opportunity for Brady to build chemistry and learn the offense. Uh, I mean, it's going to be tough it's not going to be a normal off season where you do a lot of the install in May and June. Um, and you start practicing the offense. Like there's a very real chance given the, given the coronavirus thing that like Brady and his new teammates aren't on the field together until training camp. So I would imagine they're going to, you know, they would do something like in June or July where they're all on the field running routes and stuff together. But that's not the same as like practicing football against a real defense. Um, So I think that's going to be a pretty significant hurdle because you're talking about remaking an entire offense with an entirely new quarterback who's in entirely new surroundings. So I think that's sort of an underrated challenge that faces Brady in the Pats.
2: Yeah, that's going to be, uh, if it wasn't already a fascinating storyline, I just, there are so many like steps for it to go and I'm going to be dialed into every single one of them because I'm, fascinated to see how this works
1: all right we're gonna wrap with this one gv said or asks will jimmy garoppolo beat brady in the nfc title game your thoughts kyle no because quarterbacks don't play
2: against each other they play against defenses
1: oh god that was a cop out uh
2: no because i don't think tampa bay will go back to the nfc championship game and history says the Niners will not go back to the NFC championship game. Hater. so I know, big-time hater. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did, but um, I just, Super Bowl, teams that lose the Super Bowl don't historically have a great year the next year. So I'm going to say no, Jimmy Garoppolo won't beat Tom Brady in the NFC championship.
1: Um, since I want to be liked by everybody, I'm going to say they will. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review Subscribe, rate, and review (laughs) Candlestick Chronicles, Blue Wire Network Um I think that's it, we have anything else? I miss anything that we want to ask? Nah! Any super last second questions? Nah, I'm out You're out, alright, um, everybody enjoy your Friday night Enjoy your quarantine, stay inside I've got red wine to drink Nice, um, I think I'm gonna do A Friday night Costco run Ooh Um and I'm a little worried about it because of everything that's happening. Definitely don't want to get sick, obviously. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll wait till next week because I don't want to go over, over the weekend because it'll be crazy. But Yeah, it's going to be a disaster. Um, all right. Everybody stay safe. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys early next week.